This is a snapshot of our innovation system uh, at Pendo as of today. And I would say some parts are doing, we're really advanced on, some are a little bit still in flight. And we're constantly testing ourselves and talking about process and talking about tools. And again, being intentional about everything that we do. So our five components, our strategy, discovery, delivery, product operations, and design system. Now, I've now given this talk a couple of times, and I've started with this, and I ended with the environment, meaning the environment is absolutely part of our innovation system. And I ended with that because I thought, oh, and by the way, you need to make sure your environment is one that cultivates creativity and innovation and safety. And the feedback that I'm perceiving as I share this with a live audience is that this is one of the most important parts. In other words, don't do all of these things and ensure that you have a good environment. Start with the environment. Make sure your environment is one that, again, engenders the type of failure and risk-taking and innovation that's required to do the other things. So in this presentation, I'm going to start here. Let's talk about environment. Well, as many of you know, there has been a bunch of studies on what it takes to really the parts of the environment that are so important for things like innovation for high-performing teams. And in fact, Google, and if you remember, uh, it, was, it was something called Project Aristotle, where they spent a lot of time and resources to understand what are the factors? Is it where they went to school? Is it the management courses they took? Is it their level or ability to code? Like, what is the thing? Is there a silver bullet when it comes to high-performing teams? And, and what they found is that the most important thing is, in fact, psychological safety. And, you know, what is psychological safety? We're going to talk about this. And I'll give you some of my examples, but it's something you should read and study about and, and ask yourself, do we feel like it's okay to make mistakes? Do we feel like it's okay to be ourselves, to bring our full selves to work? Is it okay to make mistakes? What happens when I bring up ideas? Are they shot down? Or are they built upon? What is that? So like I said, start there for any of the other ones. Now I'm going to jump into some of the other ones. Some of them I'm going to go in more detail than others. I think the idea for this is just to give you a flavor of how I'm thinking about our system, how I'm continuing to evolve it, so you can reflect with your team to understand what types of changes or experiments that you want to run in order to create a high-performing team. We're going to start here with strategy. And the way I think about strategy is, you know, this is, at least in my mind, this is one of the best ways to build trust. It's connecting the dots between kind of your mission all the way down to each product team. To be truly empowered, you really have to be able to understand and be able to connect what you're doing to the ultimate mission. And so I kind of think of this as the alignment triangle for each of the empowered product teams. They have to understand, you know, as you kind of break it down, we have a mission at the company level. We have something at Pendo called winning moves and annual initiatives. Winning moves tend to be three to five years out. These are things that will hopefully double our revenue or impacts in terms of multiples, not just uh, incremental. And then annual initiatives, what we're focused on being great at and improving this year. 
And then that breaks down the product priorities, think roadmap, and then into team OKRs. In other words, I'm a product empowered product team and I understand the annual initiatives. I understand my roadmap and how they connect to that and how ultimately they connect to the mission. So this is a good way of building trust with the team. In other words, if I'm clear about what this is all for, why this all matters, they will have a bit more sense of connectivity and trust uh, with the bigger mission, with the company. So super important that there's this alignment. Again, not going to go too deep into strategy. We could spend the whole time on that. But I want to jump into discovery, which is really this idea of developing new insights. New insights that lead to uh, roadmap prioritization. They lead to innovation. They lead to experimentation. So discovery is, of course, super critical. Most critical, in other words, the thing that's more important that people often skip, and it's the debrief. So I want to talk about what the debrief is. So a debrief is really important where after you've done, whether it's the customer immersion, the customer visit, observing the customer, that you, that same team that was there, so in the case of three of us, when we go back to the office, the first thing that we do is have this debrief. And we talk about whether it's going over the low fidelity prototypes that we shared, whether it's doing some empathy mapping, which if you don't know what that is, please Google it. It can really help in the debrief process. But I also like to keep it relatively simple, which is I ask two questions and then we start to go from there, which is what pain did you see and what were you surprised by? In other words, when you were visiting the customer, did you see any new pain? Did you validate pain that you already believed existed? And then in terms of surprises, what surprised you? And really taking uh, note and circling those things and really taking delight in the idea that you're surprised or that you see new pain. And then being able to share and debrief that with the rest of the team. What did you see? What did you see? And from there, you're able to distill very powerful insights. Okay, moving right along to delivery. So the one that I want to focus here, and so you can see under delivery, we have the roadmap itself, resource allocation. So your resource allocation process and the context of delivery is very important. Here at Pendo, we write things called feature briefs or specs or opportunity briefs. There's a lot of different ways um, to describe these. And then, of course, there's a high-fidelity design handoff in contrast to discovery where it's much lower fidelity so that we can share with our customers and they're not afraid to give us harsh feedback. And so the one area that I want to focus here is building better roadmaps. Now, you would say, Brian, roadmaps are... That's not the problem. That's the easy thing. I actually agree. Uh, Roadmaps are not necessarily that difficult. They're not the hardest problem to solve. But the way that we look at roadmaps is vehicles and tools to be able to communicate with multiple stakeholders, different stakeholders. And so I want to share just a couple of examples of two different ways to think about your roadmap for different types of audiences. And uh, because I think, again, the hard part is kind of understanding the data, the context, the brainstorming, the insights to be able to come up with the ideas, to make the trade-offs, to then get to the roadmap. The roadmap is just, okay, it's the finished deliverable. It's the finished part of that process. And now you need to communicate it. All right, moving on to product ops. Well, the question would be, what 
on Earth is product ops. It's not something that's, I would say, novel in that the work that these teams are doing are new, but the concept of it and having it be part of the product team and the why behind it, I think, is getting more and more clear. I think about product ops, and, and by the way, this is evolving. This is something that I just recently tweaked based on our needs. Now, your needs can be very different. This is specific to some of our needs. So number one, just connecting the dots. You know, We talk about being able to interact with the front line, with internal stakeholders, understanding, for example, the top accounts that are at risk highlighted by CS. I've mentioned customer commitments as sales is trying to close business. You know, How are we all working a process to ensure the things we're committing to are strategic, they're aligned with our roadmap? And then, of course, all the feedback, all the product requests that our frontline hears. How do we enable them to be able to share that and then to be distilled in a way that can be consumed by the product manager? The second one is a newer one and specific for us. I would imagine uh, it could be true for others too. But you know, when we think about, let's say, our SEV2, our SEV3 bugs that happen, of course, our production bugs and issues, these basically the product ops teams helps working with engineering route some of these issues to the appropriate team. And then this last one has to do with launch readiness. The ops team really helps us ensure that we're not cutting corners, that the criteria and the standards that engineering has defined, that design has defined, that product is defined are met at the different stages, of course, with increased fidelity as you get closer to GA. Last, and I'm going to touch the lightest on this part because it is a system within a system. We could have a whole, again, presentation on just design system, but from a product leader perspective, I do want to highlight its importance as part of this system. And so if you are, whether you're a startup or you're a larger company, you need to have the conversation about what is our design system in context to the maturity of our platform or our product. You know, the way I think about design system is something that describes the intent of your design. In other words, the clear sets of rules and kind of from there knowing what you can and cannot break. There was something I also read Um, And I like the definition of this, which is a design system maintains the visual and functional elements of your organization in one place. Again, these systems are the things by which the system is the mechanism by which you can consistently and repeatedly deliver outcomes so that you can create that trust and that brand of a high-performing team. The way you can do it through these design systems, this is our evolving point of view on our design system that works for us in our state. But remember to start with the environment. Make sure that you do, in fact, have uh, psychological safety on the team, that people are willing and able to make mistakes and to correct and to learn and to be better. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, We will definitely create more content just like this episode. 
<laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing. <laughs>